Do you wonder what heaven looks like? And wouldn't it be great to have the opportunity to peer into the throne room of God and see the things that are going on in heaven? And that's what Revelation 4 actually does. In Revelation chapter 4, you have the Apostle John given the opportunity to look into the things that are going on in the very throne room of God. And thankfully, he is allowed to write the things that he sees while he has this vision of the things that are transpiring there. And he records those things for us in chapters 4 and 5. And so tonight with our look into heaven, I'm really going to challenge you to paint the picture in your mind. And we're going to do that a lot in our Revelation study. Tonight's going to definitely be one of those nights as we look at the first eight verses of Revelation 4. Really the intention up to that point is to just paint the image in the mind and say, here's the things that are going on in the throne room of God of heaven. Here's what it looks like and here's what's taking place. And at the end of looking at those things, then we'll be able to step back for a minute and take away, now what are we supposed to get out of all of those images? What is that supposed to do for us? And so tonight we're going to be painting a lot of pictures, more of the practical nature, I think, of what the intention of chapter 4 falls in verses 8 through 11. And Lord willing, we'll look at that next week on Sunday night. And so in the beginning here, we're just going to get the scenes of what's going on in the throne room of God. As we mentioned this morning, I think often our view of heaven is somewhat skewed. We mentioned harps and wings and the like, and we're not going to read much of that kind of thing here. We will catch some wings, but not any harps. And we'll get an idea of some of the things that are transpiring there before God. Revelation 4, and let's read the first eight verses, and let's get a picture of the things that we see. Revelation 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold... A door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like the trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, and rumblings, and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God, And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
Well, we get an interesting scene about things that are taking place before the throne room of God. And there's a number of things that catch our eye immediately. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1 sets the stage of what's happening. And the intention of that verse is just to say the things about the seven churches of Asia, which we're going to spend on Sunday morning study, those things are completed. And so now we are moving into a, a vision scene here. It says He's in the Spirit. And what takes place is that there is a voice that calls down from heaven as a door is open that says, come up here. And I'm going to show you now the things that are going to take place after this. Here's the the next things that are going to be going on as the vision now sets forward about these events that he talked about back in chapter 1 and verse 19. Things that are currently going on and things that are going to take place after this. And so verse 1 sets up for us, here's what's going to happen for us. And verse 2 begins that John, the first thing he observes is a throne established in heaven. And I hope that you observed in those eight verses that the throne is the focus. Twelve times in these verses, the throne is mentioned, and that's not even counting the 24 thrones that are around the throne. Just the throne of God. Twelve times this is mentioned in here, talking about this great throne of God in this chapter. And so our focus is immediately then upon this throne that appears to set and is established in the center of this great scene in the heavenly places. And we have that in verse 2, a very interesting picture. Excuse me, in verse 3, it says, Then there's one who is seated on the throne. And I think that's fascinating that it's he's never identified. And that is a way to be respectful about the one who's sitting on the throne. He doesn't just say, and by the way, I saw God there. We know that's who's there. But he's very respectful. And there's the throne, and there was one sitting on the throne. Well, we all know who's sitting on the throne. As he's going to go on and describe, this is God the Father who's seated on the throne. And the appearance that is described for us, the first is Jasper, and that's not probably not our Jasper that we know of today. Over in Revelation 21 and in verse 11, Jasper is described as, as that like crystal. And so it is likely that if this is not a diamond, it is something that is shining in a similar nature to a diamond, a crystal that is gleaming then from the throne, and not only then crystal, but then also a fiery red. A carnelian stone is a fiery red color. And so imagine the gleam of the throne as there is this shining diamond crystal-like color that is beaming forth. There is this fiery red color also beaming forth, And then he further describes that around the throne is this rainbow, but it's a curious looking rainbow because it seems to shine or gleam of a deep green. It is of an emerald. And so there's a rainbow around the throne that has a greenish color coming off of it. And so there's a, a brilliant picture then of these colors as he looks into the throne room of God and sees the one seated on the throne and there with these precious and beautiful colors. And I don't think by accident and call, seeing a rainbow there, that's not uncommon in our scenes that we're going to look at in uh, the other places as well. And that uh, rainbow is always symbolized from very early on, a picture of God's faithfulness to His covenant. And that's going to be one of the important pictures of the book of Revelation. 
So that God keeps His covenant, God keeps His Word, and that's going to be important to the Christians as they are looking for God's deliverance and God's relief, that God keeps His Word, God keeps His promises. One of the things that I hope you also observe is that there is a description about everything about the throne, that it is around the throne, in front of the throne, behind the throne. It's all of Everything is in reference to the throne. That is the center. Again, that is the focus. In verse 4, we read, There are 24 thrones. Those are seem to be around this throne, and they are seated on the thrones are 24 elders clothed in white garments and with golden crowns on their heads. And I think the most natural question is, well, who are these? Who are these 24 elders that are seated on these 24 thrones around the throne with all the focus on the very throne of God? And the big question is, are these spiritual beings... Or are these human beings? Is, are this, is this some other class or description of spiritual beings, perhaps? Or is this describing the saved? In fact, one of the, the common answers for the 24 elders is that this is representing the saved people of the Old and the New Testament. That 12 tribes of Israel would represent all the Old Testament saints, and 12 apostles would represent all the New Testament saints, and 12 plus 12, last I checked, is 24, and so that's how they usually put this together. And so is that the way this is supposed to be understood? I'm going to show you why I don't think so. That I do not think that these are human beings, and I do not think that this is describing all the saved of the earth, of the old covenant, and of the new covenant. Let me give you some of the reasons why. First of all, I think it is important that we just simply observe, if God wanted to tell us that this was two groups of twelve, and that's the intention, that there are twelve here, and that represents the old covenant, and there are twelve there, and that represents the new covenant, God could have certainly said so, but He never tells us to divide this up, to start doing math and saying, now, okay, 12 plus 12, and that's what the 24 is all about. And we don't do that anywhere in Revelation. When we start reading 7, we don't go, okay, now 4 plus 3, so the 4 is this and the 3 is... No, we just take the number as the number comes to us and the symbol that stands behind it. So I would observe that, first of all, He doesn't tell us to break this into uh, two groups of 12. Further, if you go over to Revelation 7, and in verse 13, you'll notice that the elders appear to be distinguished from the saints. There in Revelation 7, verse 13, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in the white robes, and where have they come from? And you jump down to the end of verse 14, These ones are the ones who washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There is a distinguishing between the 24 elders as John is speaking to one of these elders, and there is this great multitude that we'll eventually get to in chapter 7 who are there, and, and the question by John is, well, who are these? And the elder does not say, well, they're one of us. They're just the saved people who washed the robes in the blood of the Lamb. No, this is an entirely different group of people that are sitting over here. That's the saved. That's the full number of the saved there. Further, in Revelation 5 and in verse 8, you will notice that the 24 elders, one of the functions that they have at the end of verse 8, it says that they are holding harps and golden bowls of, uh, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And that also then distinguishes that the 24 elders are not the saints since they're carrying the prayers of the saints in their hands before God. 
Also, not only there in in chapter 5 and in verse 5 where you have these elders as speaking to John, like in 5.5, while the elders said to me, weep no more as the lion appears. And then over in Revelation 7.13-17 that we just looked at a second ago, you have the elders seeming to act as interpreters of sorts for John. That he, They are explaining to John the things that are going on, things that are taking place around them, which is very similar to an angelic function that we read about in the Scriptures of an explanation, an interpretation, or in between, for between God and man is going between the two. And that seems to be the function of this, this elder as well. So I, those are the reasons why I look at this and go, I don't think the 24 elders are talking about the saved. The saved appear in Revelation as a different group of people altogether as we study through the book. So in my estimation, we should just take them as spiritual beings. Nothing indicates it anywhere in the book of Revelation to understand them as something different. There's no clue later on that we'll go, well, right here, the 24 elders are identified as the blah, 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 blah. And we go, okay, there we go. Now we know. No, we don't aren't given any of that. We're just left with that image. There's the 24 elders. They have 24 thrones. They're seated around the throne, and they're wearing white. They've got crowns, and that's all, all you're all you're left with. Second, we read in other places in the scriptures about like a heavenly council in the throne room of God, like in Psalm 82 and some other places, but that's one of the notable ones where you read about the council of the gods, and that's certainly a study unto itself as to, well, what is that exactly referring to? But this might be the idea is that God is surrounded by numerous spiritual beings, and perhaps the 24 elders are being designated for us as one of them. But the linchpin for me, at least. Revelation 4 isn't anything about us. Revelation 4 is everything about God. Revelation 4 is not talking about, well, and where's the people of God? The people of God are not in view right now. What is important and where the focus lies is on God, who's on the throne, and what's happening in the heavenly place where God sits on that throne. It's not about us. It's nothing to do about humanity. It's what's going on there right now. And later on, he'll start bringing in the saints. He'll get get to bring them in in chapter 6. But right now, chapters 4 and 5 seems to be much more of a focus on the spiritual, looking into heaven itself, looking into the very throne room of God. So I'm going to leave the 24 elders as the 24 elders. And I'm just not going to touch them. And I'm just going to say, there they are. They're before the throne room of God. And I think what's fascinating is the things that they are doing. We notice them not only wearing these crowns, but we will read later on in verse 10 that they cast their crowns before the throne of God. Again, showing the servitude and submission before the throne and the one who sits on the throne that he is the most important figure. He is the one in charge. Verse 5 really probably begins to get to the highlight of what's intended in these first eight verses. Notice in verse 5 that from the throne comes flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. These are fantastic images coming from the throne room of God. And this is pretty much a common symbol Something that we will notice even in the other texts when we get there. We're going to do a lot of comparative study tonight. That this is God who is active. God is not asleep. Look at what the throne is doing. That God is on the throne and what's the throne doing? Well, there is all sorts of activity 
coming out from the throne. In fact, the rumblings and the peals of thunder are very reminiscent to when God comes to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. And you have everything shaking and quaking and peals of thunder and all the same going on. Here is God and He is active and He is about to do something. And this is also pictured the same way. That this is God. He's not asleep. He's very much active. In fact, when we get to chapter 8 and verse 5, we'll read about those very peals of thunders being represented as God's judgments being poured out on the earth. And so we're allowed to stand back for a moment and John is able to look and you don't see God asleep at the wheel. It is a picture of God who knows what's going on and God is doing something. Now imagine living at that time and the kind of comfort and confidence that would give to the Christians knowing that in the midst of their ordeals and tribulations and difficulties and suffering, God has not gone on vacation from them. God is active. God is doing. And He sees the things that are going on. And He is absolutely acting. For the second time, verse 5, we are given a picture of the seven spirits of God. This image will not leave us alone. We sidestepped it in chapter 1. We're going to sidestep it again in chapter 4 here because the greater detail, I think, is given to us in chapter 5. But I just want you to observe that here it sits one more time. We have seven seven torches or seven fires, which we see that in Zechariah 4. So we studied when we were in Revelation 1 representing the seven spirits of God, and we made the point that this is a representation of the Holy Spirit. I think the symbol intended here is, again, just to see God is at work. And that's the idea. We'll get to chapter 5 where we'll get to spend the majority of our time on this. And so I'm not dodging it completely. I will get there. But chapter 5 and verse 6 speaks of the seven spirits of God and ties it to the, the fires and it ties it to Zechariah. And so that's a better place for us to spend our time looking at it. So we'll just get the takeaway of what's going on. God is active, and here's another picture of that. That is, the Spirit of God is at work. Notice also the imagery in there before 6, in verse 6. And it's an interesting way that John words it. John does not say, and you know what else I saw? A big thing of glass. He's very tenuous about how he wants to word it. He says, before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. (laughs) He seems to kind of hedge a little bit on this. He's not just saying, there's some crystal I see there. Well, as it were, it seems like a sea of glass before. Trying to describe, again, I think the splendor and the majesty of what is being taken in. Again, try to visualize that in your mind. You have crystal diamond and fiery red colors coming off the throne. You have a rainbow glowing around the throne that seems to be emanating a deep emerald green coming off of that. And there are seven torches burning in front of it. And there are 24 thrones with 24 elders with crowns on their heads wearing white, sitting in those thrones all around the throne of God. So you're bringing all of these pictures in and then in front of the throne is this sea of glass, as it were, that's like crystal that's laid out in front. And one can imagine what these colors would be doing as they're reflecting off of this sea of glass and crystal and 
just how brilliant then all of this imagery would be as John now looks and gets to see all of this going on. And then probably one of the most interesting pictures of all, the end of verse 6 and also into verse 7 and 8, are these four living creatures. <laughs> they're the big question mark of, and who are these? And their description is fascinating. End of verse 6, eyes in front and behind. Verse 7, one of them is like a lion, the second like an ox, the third like the face of a man, the fourth like an eagle in flight. And they held, Verse 8, they all have six wings and they're full of eyes. And that's just hard to picture in our head. <laughs> you know, try, to, try to visualize, well, what did these things look like? One of the things that's interesting about this is this has a very strong connection back to Ezekiel chapter 1. If you don't mind, mark your Bibles there in Revelation 4, and we're going to jump around a little bit now and spend some time in the Old Testament. And we'll begin with Ezekiel chapter 1. Because Ezekiel 1, in interesting, he also gets to see the throne room. But rather than spending his emphasis on the throne itself, like John does, where John spends his time on the throne and mentions, and by the way, I see these four living creatures, Ezekiel seems to observe the throne for a moment, but spends a lot of time on these four living creatures. And so we'll notice the similarity of Ezekiel's description of this throne. It perhaps will have, give us a fuller imagery of what the throne scene looks like, and especially these four living creatures. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4. And try to paint the picture in your mind as we read. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness all around it. And fire flashing forth continually in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the human, had a human likeness, but each had four faces. And each of them had four wings, and their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wings of another, and two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the Spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and now the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro in the appearance of the flash of lightning. Now I looked at the living creatures, and I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of burl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, a wheel within a wheel. 
And when they went, they went in any of the four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went. And when the wheels rose along with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And when those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures there was a likeness of an expanse shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. And under the expanse their wings were stretched out straight one toward another, and each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And then came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads, there was a likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness of the human appearance. And upward from what had had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around, And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him. Like the appearance of a bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Excuse me. Ezekiel just really gets to the details. So many details that I've uh, I've had graphic uh, artist friends, and I've said, "Can you try to draw that?" I have not had much success in trying to put the imagery behind that, where you have wheels within wheels and eyes all within the rims, and this thing always goes straight and it is never turning and the wings of the body covering and the wings stretching out and then the faces being the same faces that John saw. I just want you to see that how much of a similarity exists that here there is a, a difference of uh, a good 600 years of time and yet what they are observing are so many of the same things. Though the focus is different while John sees the throne and spends much time on the throne, Ezekiel spending time on the four living creatures and yet so much of their description is the same and the takeaway is look at the splendor and the glory of the likeness of God Uh, be in awe of that picture that is being painted for us as God sits on the throne with images of fire images of lightning with rumbles of thunder with images of these strange four living creatures as they have these just fantastic look. What a what an amazing image of what these things look like with wheels and wings and eyes. And trying to visualize, look at what we get to see of these spiritual beings before the throne of God. And while Ezekiel has a lot of connections, Daniel, I think, has even more. Go over to Daniel chapter 7. And you'll notice with Daniel, he sees something very similar in his vision. 
Daniel chapter 7, and I'm going to point out more closely the pictures and the similarities of what we see. And I think it's the intention of John and the intention of this description to draw a very close connection to the vision that Daniel sees. And that's going to be important as we move through these next two chapters, that Daniel plays a very important role in the book of Revelation and what's being explained to us, what's being unveiled and revealed. You have over in Revelation 4 and verse 2, as we notice, there is one who is, uh, uh, excuse me, as once he's in the Spirit and he sees the throne that is stood or established there in heaven, and Daniel sees the very same thing in Daniel 7. And in verse 9, he sees these thrones being placed, and who does he see then seating, being seated on the throne? But the Ancient of Days taking his seat on the throne, just as John sees there is one who is now seated on the throne. And so both Daniel and John see the throne being established, and they see one seated on the throne. You'll notice also a parallel to there is fire before the throne. In Revelation 4 and verse 5, as we noted, seven torches of fire representing the seven spirits of God. Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 shows the same thing. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before it. Again, a similar imagery of what this throne looks like. And a similar imagery of the heavenly beings that are before the throne. And again, they're not intended to be exact, but to give us the idea that we're supposed to be looking at Daniel and seeing that John is complementing that imagery because this is some of the things that he's about to unveil. Revelation 4 and verse 4, speaking of those 24 thrones and 24 elders, and then also speaking of the four living creatures in verse 6. And Daniel, what he describes is there's just thousands and thousands that are serving him before the throne. As he looks and he just sees myriads of these spiritual beings all before the throne as the ancient one, ancient of days, is seated there on that throne. Similarly, both of them contain a book or contain a scroll, Revelation in chapter 5 and verse 1. What we're going to get to observe is the one who's seated on the throne. He has in his right hand this scroll that is written on the front and the back. We'll talk about the symbolism behind what that means when we get to chapter 5. And you also have in the book of Daniel, then the picture of these books are going to be open. The call in chapter 5 of Revelation is we need the scroll opened. In Daniel, these books are already open and it is unveiling things that are about to take place. And the scroll in Revelation is going to do the same thing. When the scroll is opened, we're going to see the pictures of what's about to transpire, things that are going to happen. And so you have then these scrolls before the throne and they're also being opened. Revelation 5 and verse 5, you have the, have the statement made by one of the 24 elders, there's no need to weep any longer. Because we have the Lion of Judah, he is going to be able to open the scroll. As we saw in Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, again, those books are opened, those books are ready to then be given. Another interesting connection, though, is this messianic figure that appears in both. In Revelation, in chapter 5 and verse 7, you have then this Lion of Judah who is also described as the slain lamb. He goes before the one who is seated on the throne and he takes the scroll and he's about to open the seals. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, you notice 
that we see this one like the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days. And so again, in both images, we see this Messianic figure coming before the throne and approaching the one who sits on the throne. So again, another strong similarity. And both are given authority over all things. In Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10, He is the one who is worthy to open the scroll. And what does that mean? Well, that from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. That Christ is the one who possesses authority over all. Well, that's what we read about with the Son of Man. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 14, to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. His kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. In fact, even both Daniel and John share in the emotional distress. When John sees these things and nobody is able to open the scroll, he begins to weep about that. Daniel, as he sees these visions before him, he is alarmed within his spirit and wants to know what's the meaning of these things. And John is in the same boat. Nobody can open the scroll, which means we don't get to know what's about to happen. Daniel sees the vision. He says, I don't understand what these things mean. And so both of them are distressed by the things that they're seeing taking place. And what's interesting also is you have an explanation given by the heavenly council in both instances. One of these 24 elders tells John the things that are about to happen. Don't worry, the scroll's going to be able to be opened. And you have also in Daniel 7 verse 16, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this, so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. So here is John saying, we need somebody to open the scroll. And one of the 24 elders says, don't worry, we'll get the scroll open. We have the one who's worthy. And Daniel is distressed and he doesn't know what's going to happen. He wants the interpretation of these things and so he's bold enough to even ask somebody somebody do something and he begins to explain the meaning of these things so very similar as well finally the eternal reign is also similar both visions end the same way chapter 5 of Revelation the last two verses of that chapter as that that scene ends is a picture of authority and God's eternal reign to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and glory and honor and might forever and ever he has authority and his reign is being established and Daniel his vision ends in the exact same way at the end of chapter 7 and the kingdom and the dominion of the greatness of the kingdoms under whom the whole heaven shall be given and the people of the saints of the Most High, their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all the dominions shall serve and obey Him. Now we did all that for one key point is that the connection between Daniel and Revelation is extremely strong. We have to come into Revelation and see that, boy, Revelation is trying to get our eyes back on Daniel and say there are things in Daniel that were going on there that were a lot of questions by Daniel. In fact, when we get to the scroll, we'll see in Daniel uh, chapter 12 a scroll that is sealed that cannot be opened until the time of the end. And now we come to the book of Revelation. We are in the days of the Messiah. And here is the scroll. And it is sealed. And now there is one who is worthy and able to open that scroll. And so there's a strong connection with Daniel and Revelation that look at the things in Daniel because what's being unveiled, what's being revealed in this book 
is what's coming out of the book of Daniel. It is time to now inform about the things that were previously sealed and shut up. The book of Revelation is revealing that. So as we come back to Revelation chapter 4, that is what I believe the intention of this throne room scene is. It is not merely for us to read these and go, wow, that is really amazing. Look at the colors, look at the brilliance but is also to get us to see now we need to do a study of Daniel. We need to know Daniel because Daniel's prophecies are going to relate very strongly to this book. So what I want to leave you with then for these first eight verses, and and Lord willing, next week we'll get to dig in more because we get to talk about the holiness of God next week, how God is worthy next week. There are some great statements about who God is in verses 8 through 11 that we'll get to work on and get to to take apart and and, uh, digest for ourselves. But before we can look at that, main point to that audience, God's active. God is doing. His throne is flashing with all kinds of brilliant things, fire and lightning and thunders. God is not asleep. And God is not unaware of the things that are going on. There's a tendency today to suggest that about the Almighty God. To suggest that, well, you know, He kind of created everything. He set everything in motion. And then He kind of just is taking a nap until the end. And then one day He'll kind of reappear and we'll all be good to go. And this picture shows the opposite. God is directly involved with the things and the affairs of this earth. That He is keenly aware of what is going on. He is active. He is judging. Things are transpiring by the throne of God. He is doing. Number two, we need to see the Lord in His splendor. I think that's one of the things we're going to take away a lot. That really applies a lot to what we talked about this morning about really seeing God for who He is to remain in awe of who He is. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They have everything in, and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. That's, I think, the intention of this kind of imagery is look who sits on the throne. Heaven is his throne. Earth is where he rests his feet. This is nothing to him because he is the creator of all things. And what a statement. And what are you going to do better than that? What kind of place are you going to build for God? Come before God humbly. Come before God on your knees. Have the respect like John and Ezekiel and Daniel who fall on their faces in seeing the greatness of the glory and the splendor of the Lord. And I will leave you with the final words of Isaiah 66. I will bless those who have a humble and who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. These are the people who are comforted by the words of Revelation. Those who are trembling before His word. Those who come before God with humble hearts, repentant hearts, desiring to serve God with all of their heart because they love Him and want to do the things that He says. Those who do not have that desire, the book of Revelation is going to unveil the destructions and judgments against those who 
take their stand with Satan and do not choose to follow the Lord. We invite you to follow the Lord with all of your heart, to see the great God who sits on the throne, who reigns and is active, to serve Him this very evening, to decide tonight to turn away from your sins, to decide that you need to follow the One who has created all things and sits in all majesty and splendor on the throne. And since He is the King, we are the subjects. It is up to us to yield to Him, to serve Him, and to obey Him. Turn away from your sins and begin that relationship with God by being immersed in water to have your sins washed away. We invite you to do it tonight. Won't you come forward while we stand and sing this song?